Welcome to the Bad Roman Podcast. On this show, we talk with veterans, community leaders, Christians, and non-Christians as we explore the entanglement of Christians with the state. The Bad Roman Project was created out of the firm belief that as Christians, we are called to follow Christ, not the state. Here is your host, Craig Hargis. Hey folks, when we discuss the philosophy of anarchy, are we moving towards anarchy or are we pumping the brakes or even worse, going in reverse? Are we able to explain it in a way that gets people interested or does the discussion become complicated to the point that the conversation becomes circular? Today, my friend and fellow podcaster Michael Storm joins me to talk about this and his podcast, Toward Anarchy. Would you rather serve God than serve Caesar? You know me? I'm just trying to live what he said. I'm just trying to live what he said. I ain't scared. I will take what to the head. Go ahead. Someone's safe to say that I'm bad. Someone's safe to say that I'm bad. Someone's safe to say that I'm bad. Michael Storm, how you doing, my friend? Craig, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's so good to talk to you again, man. It's it's been a while, and I've been looking forward to to catching up with you. For I, this is uh, this is really cool, man. Yeah. So you know, you've had me on your show a couple of times, and I've enjoyed those conversations so much. Like, I, there's something about you and I, just the conversation. Like, we can cut up on your show. The the way your show is set up, it sounds like a, it sounds like a radio, you know, program, you know, and so. We can go off air. We can cut up a little bit off air and just, you know, make jokes about your Pink Floyd fan. I'm like, I don't really like Pink Floyd. And we can talk about it. And then we can go back onto the show and you bring it up. And it, it's just kind of cool. So what, what I like to do with folks when I get them on the show, first of all, who is Michael Storm? Tell us a little bit about yourself, whatever you're comfortable telling us about yourself. I don't, I guess nobody ever really asks about me. Um, I'm... Uh, I'm just a normal guy, man. I grew up in Denver, Colorado, um, on the streets, single parent, started my own family at a young age. I mean, I, I, I've had a lot of different experiences, man. I've been to other countries. Uh, I've been all over the, the nation and seen different people and, and talked to different people for for different reasons. Uh, I, I remember I, tra- I traveled once in 1986 to uh, the World's Fair in Vancouver, Canada, as a member of Trinity United Methodist Church, as a member of the Bell Choir. I went up there to play in the International Bell Festival. I mean, I, I, I've had a lot... <sighs> I've had an interesting, fun life. I like to say I've lived a, a sort of poor man's rock and roll lifestyle. I play multiple instruments and have played in bands and hung out in bars and uh, met loose women. And I, I've lived um, um, a fun life and and I've, I've never really gave it much thought about why I do it or or why I think I should be able to do it. Uh, and until, I don't know, it was... When would it have been? Let me let me think about time. It's gonna been a, it's going to have been a big gap. Okay, so um, I'm awake. I've been whatever whatever people want to call it, aware of the new world order, the manipulations of the bankers, uh, these things since mm, 12, 13, 14 years old, somewhere right in there. Uh, again, Trinity United Methodist Church. Uh, I'm a I'm a young child. I go to church with my grandmother every weekend. And uh, we start attending this massive, beautiful uh, church in downtown Denver called Trinity. And um, 
we meet in this all oh, just all these wonderful people over the the years of being there but one person in particular is a man named Ken Riggs and Ken was one of the first members of the Libertarian Party, the capital L Libertarian Party, one of the first 10. I think it was number five or something like that. Uh, and and he attended this church and he was my mentor. He was he I was a, a, a child from a single mother and grandmother raising me not a lot of male influences except for the ones that my my mother would have in and out of uh, various relationships and things like that and, and jobs and just various male figures that would be around nobody stable anything like that didn't know my father uh and and so it was easy in a situation like that to find a mentor and thank god he was a a mentor and not an abuser which unfortunately is one of these things that happens in close situations like that where you where people have access to uh young developing people and their developing minds um i was i was real lucky in that sense because i know other people that didn't uh have um a, a true mentor, somebody, somebody that they they thought they could look up to, ultimately abuse them. So, uh, by the time I'm I'm twelve, thirteen years old, I already know what the Federal Reserve is. I know what Federal Reserve notes are. I, I know that they're these 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 representations of money that they're not real money and that they're controlled and they're manipulated. And I'm already well on my way. Uh, to being a, an anarchist at that point. I, I'm, a, I'm an anarchist already at heart, um, not knowing the, the theory and the philosophy and, and anything like that, that that might give you a foundational uh, argument for something as opposed to the, the general argument that I make for anarchy, which is, look at me. <laughs> that's, that's my sort of general argument for it. I, I do quite well. I'm very happy in my life. I'm not stressed by the state. I'm a little bit worried for the rest of you, all you guys out there, but I'm, I'm quite happy. My wife is my wife, my life, my, my family. It's all wonderful. I, I have my own business. Uh, it's not, I don't make any money, but I have my own business. I do my own thing. And, and it's something that I love. And that's me. Uh, I went off to you know, I lived those years on the street. I finally broke away um, 1991-ish, right around the time I would have graduated high school, not too long after that. Uh, and uh, my mother had already moved away. She had uh, shacked up with a guy that didn't work out, you know, the story. And... Um, so she left, they got divorced and she left and she moved to this little town where my grandmother was living at the time in the middle of nowhere in, uh, uh, in Kansas, in Western Kansas, it's called Oakley as in Annie Oakley. And so it's just a little one horse town uh, out there in the middle of nowhere. And I just kind of went there to dry up man. I was living in Commerce City, Colorado uh, in and around the Sons of Silence and uh, messing around with speed. And it was just a nasty, nasty scene. In fact, it's a scene that not long after I left uh, got taken down from the inside. There was actually a, a History Channel 
documentary on the Sons of Silence and Commerce City and the town that I grew up in and a bunch of the people that I knew I was not involved in any of that. I was just a kid. Uh, but I knew all these people. I grew up around all these people. I've been to parties with them. I, I've been to some of their homes. And and uh, it was just another one of these wild things that's happened in, in my life. Uh, so I, 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 I split off to to go dry up, man, just, just clear my head. Doing too much speed, doing too much acid, partying all the time instead of just living, trying to find, you know, I thought that was living. That's what I grew up around. That's what I understood. Um, I, I didn't know much more. But once I got away and cleared my head, I was like, you know what? There were some things I wanted to do. One of the things I wanted to do was go into radio. And it just so happened that Oakley is about 70 miles from Colby, Kansas. And in Colby, Kansas is a little station called T92. And it is a college radio station. It's a community college radio station. It's one of the best um, um, colleges in the Actually, I guess they don't they don't have the program anymore. This is 30 years ago. <laughs> um, I, a, a wonderful program, wonderful educators, a great history of real radio, uh, a, really, truly the best college radio station in the nation, quite literally um, proven by people before me, proven by myself and proven by people after me, uh, winning awards, uh, uh, going uh, in uh, college competitions up against UCLA, the, you know, at any, every, any school in the nation that uh, had a radio program. And so I found this out and I'm like, man, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go be a disc jockey. And I was the first person in my class on the air, uh, jumped right in, feel real natural about it. It, it, it. You know, when I grew up in the church, I was up there every Sunday ministering to the people, uh, singing, lighting candles, doing something. I was involved. And so I was always up in front of people. I never had problems um, presenting and talking to people. It was just a natural thing and got in with this great crew of people who really loved radio and loved comedy and loved presenting, uh, including my my instructor, John Berlew, and just amazing people and amazing times. And I, I learned that I wanted to do something more than just, but I wanted to to party on Friday nights as the DJ and hang out with the, you know, both the disco DJ, the, the, the voice DJ, the rock DJ, you name it. I've done it all. And, and I loved it. I loved every single bit of it. And I always wanted to do a talk show and I'd pitched a talk show to a number of uh, radio stations. I pitched a talk to talk show to uh, KNUS in Denver. And I was a producer there for a while. And I got to do some part-time stuff with some of the other guys that had shows, but it wasn't anything there. You know, they were like swap meet shows and, and uh, car show you talking about cars and home repairs and things, the kind of stuff that you'd find you know, sort of Sunday afternoon on the radio. And, um, it just wasn't my thing. And right about the time all that's happening, we're talking, um, 1998, right in there, 1998. Uh, then the internet 
is really booming. Podcasting comes along, streaming comes along. All these things are ha- starting to happen right around in that same time. And then, uh, you know, fast forward a couple of years, I'm back in Denver. I'm working for KNUS. Uh, 9-11 happens. Um, I'm already awake. I'm already aware. I don't really believe what I'm being told on the TV. I don't know exactly what's happened. I think I know what I saw with my own eyes. Not going to pretend that I do. I just know that my government is full of crap and that the the news is is um, their lackey and and just totes their 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 line, whatever it is. Uh, and so I, I didn't believe it. And I. I Actually, um, I'd already I grew up listening to uh, Art Bell and George Norrie on the radio uh, as a fan of radio because they were you know the best at it. My God, um, just uh, talking about amazing things with just the most amazing people, and you know one of those reasons. And then the other one was Monday Night Football. I'm a huge football fan. I know you're a football fan. Uh, I, I love football. I love the competition. I don't necessarily give a damn about the NFL, but I, I love football. I love the sport. I love that whole uh, the, the whole thing. You know, uh, everything that comes with it—the good and the bad. It's it's just an amazing, fun thing. And uh, uh, so I, I would call. I, I got to call some football games in college, uh, but it was Monday Night Football. Is that CBS Monday Night Football on the radio? And they would just talk, and they would just they, these vivid pictures would appear in my mind, and they would just have these wonderful conversations about football and sports and things like that. Maybe some people don't care about those things, but uh, as a, as a young person growing up and and just feeling that impact and knowing the impact that that football has on people and that, Oh, I got to listen to my team and I got to listen to my, my broadcaster. And I get, you know, it's a, it's a thing and they tune in and they're wrapped and their attention is right there and it's not taken away. And, and when it's on radio, it's about that person that can keep that, that, um, that conversation going, keep that line of thought going. And, and uh, for me, that was really neat. That idea that with people just, it was same with comedians, stand up comedians, love George Carlin and grew up with Sam Kinison and all these people. And, and they, in, they just influenced me. They are, they are my anarchist base. The Christian church is my anarchist base. George Carlin is my anarchist base. Um, uh, living my own existence and, 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 meeting um i've I've met uh you know bob dole and interviewed bob dole and i've interviewed dave mustaine and i've talked with different people all around the world from all sorts of different lives i worked in the uk for a short period of time and done all these really fun and wonderful things i thought i can talk about these things and i can talk about who i am uh and share that with people and at the same time uh plant some seeds, give this little bit of a, a message just about who I am and about what, I, what I've experienced in my life and, and why I think um, that, that authority, government, um, rules have been a, more of a detriment to me being a, 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 anything. It, it, it just pick something, whatever, whatever dream uh, I've had. Uh, you know, everybody wants to be a rock star. Everybody wants to be a movie star. Everybody wants to be a fireman. Everybody wants to be a policeman. I could have been a better anything uh, without government. That's what I I learned after all this time. Uh, I, I okay. So the last step to get to here is um, 
to go all these years, I have this understanding of nine uh, eleven that I think is important um, in the context of why government does what it does in in false flags and uh, manipulated um, events and it, it, why it would do these things. And so I have all this understanding and I, I have all this information and I attend uh, sort of libertarian meetings and Austrian economist, economist meetings and and I never really find a place to express any greater energy or thought into any of these ideas other than with the same people. And, and I just wanted this reach, uh, 2011 comes along and we get Occupy Wall Street this thing happens and it's a populist movement. It's not, uh, it's not an anarchist movement. It's not, it becomes these things. It becomes a controlled uh, black block anarchist movement um, it, to really discredit all of the wonderful people that really were on the street. The first is the early weeks of, um, uh, of Occupy Wall Street, the, the first few weeks of it, Denver was one of the largest cities that it was happening in. Uh, and, uh, those first few weeks, we had thousands of different people from all walks of life, all out there on the street, and they were marching against the banks. And they understood, they got that it wasn't a it wasn't a political thing, it wasn't a left right thing, it wasn't an it wasn't anarchy, it wasn't any of those things. It was a natural um, uh, extension of what people were seeing in other places on uh, on Wall Street in New York, uh, and and people like myself and the people from we are change uh we are change colorado and, and and other organizations wonderful people in and around uh we are change were we had thousands of people out there on the streets ma marching and holding signs and and truly directing their energy at the the enemy but as soon as that happened all the black bloc anarchists showed up, started busting things up. It, it devolved uh, instantly and became a controlled opposition manipulation thing. But it was at that point that I got involved with um, uh, We Are Change Colorado and um, um, through them met all these other wonderful people. And that led to republicbroadcasting.org looking for a show years ago. And I was off for a while. And then all of a sudden, one day I get a message out of nowhere. It's about five years ago, four and a half, five years ago now at this point. I just get a message out of the blue from uh, one of the producers at Republic Broadcasting. And they said, man, I remember you from years ago and you were just great. And you were just talking about these wonderful things. And I, you know, we're friends on social media. I've been following you all this time. And I had no idea. I didn't even realize it necessarily at the time. And uh, they're like, man, come do a show, come do a, a show every week, live radio, uh, that thing you do, you know, do that thing you do and talk about anarchy and talk, talk about whatever you want. And that's what they let me do. And that's the very long, long version of, of me. <laughs> you, I, I, I don't think that there's a shorter version of that story, because I think if you leave any of that out, you miss the, the, the core premise of a lot of what I do suggesting that that it's okay to just be you and 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 concentrate on you and live you and 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 do you all these different little catchphrases uh and and it'd be okay uh I like to I like to 
you're in these groups. You know these people. There's a subset of the the liberty movement, the anarchist movement, that believe that if your time is not strictly spent screaming at, to, or about the state, that you are wasting time, you are worthless, you are not part of the movement, you're a part of the problem. Uh, and I don't believe that that's true. I completely agree <laughs> with that. Um, I haven't been a part of the uh, quote unquote uh, liberty movement for very long. You know, I thought I was as a Republican, you know, when trying to keep the Democrats out, you know, because the Republicans mm -hmm. were all about liberty. And I had this understanding of liberty, you know, we got to go do this thing through the state to make sure we get enough liberty. And I've seen this in the liberty movement so much that it becomes so frustrating to me to where I want to take a step back and I'm going to share a, a, a post on, on Facebook about cats. Okay. Or I'm going to share a post about me doing jujitsu or going to the gym or, or something funny, you know, making fun of myself, you know, because you touched on a million different things right there. And one thing that you, I heard you repeat more than once was manipulation. Mm. And I, I don't think that people understand that we are being manipulated by church, the state, schools, by people who bought into all this garbage. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it can bog you down to the point where you're like, oh, I'm tired. I'm tired. Let's say something funny on social media instead of getting all into the, all this bullshit that people keep talking about. Don't get me wrong. I will still do that on social media. Yeah. But we, we have to take a step back and realize, all right, we're still human beings trying to figure this out as we go along because nobody gets out of here alive, right? Mm. So what we're doing is we're trying to make things better for the folks coming behind us. I could sit on social media 24 hours a day if I wanted to and just talk about how bad things are. Yeah. I think a lot of people do. And, and I, I know they do. I see it today. <laughs> today, I just got off of a Facebook ban because I said I posted something <laughs> that Facebook does not have a sense of humor, apparently. No, it doesn't. It doesn't understand humor or context. But for three days, I was not able to react, comment, respond to anything on Facebook. I didn't care. Mm. For three days, I was like, wow. This is nice. This is nice. <laughs> I can do my thing, go to work, you know, come home, do a podcast, all this stuff, whatever. And it didn't bog me down. And I and I've I've threatened this more than once, and I've and I've told folks if, if it wasn't for the Bad Roman Project, if it wasn't for trying to keep up with mm -hmm. friends and family that do not live in Memphis, Tennessee, I would have shut the entire thing down. Yep, bye bye social media. Bye social media, yep. because it's garbage. It's useless. It and, and but but the sad thing is is our biggest audience is through Facebook. Mm -hmm. Okay, and my producers told me this. She goes. This is our biggest audience. 
okay, so we have to play to that. I get it. I understand that. But if it wasn't for the Bad Roman Project, Michael Storm, I'd grab your phone number after we get done here, and me and you would just text. I'd call you on the phone when I need to when I need to talk to Michael Storm about something. I would just call you. You know, I wouldn't give a shit about anything else because it's all garbage. I I get added to these these groups on Facebook. I'm like, why are you adding me to this? I don't give a shit about <laughs> conservatives and liberals fighting with one another. I mean, that's y'all's garbage. Why am I added to this? And then this stuff pops up on my feed. What are y'all fighting about now? <laughs> Why are y'all fighting about Kanye West? I don't even know what this guy said and people are upset about it. It's a thing. Or Donald Trump took some things from the White House and took it to uh, his, his home in Florida. I don't care. I don't care. Yeah, apparently, yeah. Joe Biden's son did some nefarious things. <laughs> I don't care. It's I, I I don't care about this. Y'all are fighting about this while your government, the people you elected, are killing people indiscriminately across the world. Y'all are fighting about Kanye West, Joe Biden's son, what's his name? Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden, Donald Trump, uh, DeSantis in Florida. Y'all are fighting about this stuff. Meanwhile, you got a five-year-old in Yemen who is dying of cholera because your government mm. is bombing their water facilities, water supply, yeah. their hospitals, and their weddings. And y'all, y'all gloss over this shit. Why are you? Why are you not paying attention to this? Why are you not paying attention to this stuff? And you're upset about Hunter Biden or Kanye West. You want to talk about privilege? Mm. Here's your privilege. You live in America. Yeah. You yeah. live in America, and this is what you're upset about while this five-year-old is trying to figure out how they can find clean drinking water. Mm. What is wrong with you? Yeah. Why, why is this your thing? And that's why I would love to shut the, the, the whole social media thing down because mm. I don't want to live in that world. Mm -hmm. I don't want to live in a world where people do not care about their fellow man. You know, Jesus was the example of Christians. And he went to these people and he helped these people. And he told these people how the, the, the best way to live your life. Mm. And you're fighting about Hunter Biden and Kanye West. What is your problem? What is going on with you that this is, this is what you're fighting about? I don't get it. And I, and I honestly believe that social media has made this such a thing mm -hmm. yeah. that people are so distracted from all that stuff. They don't want to pay attention to it because it's not in their front yard. It's not in their backyard. It's not in their living room. It's not, yeah. on, it's not even on their TV in their living room. You know, corporate media is not talking about this. Michael Storm's talking about it. Craig's talking about it. You're not going to hear about this unless you listen to a podcast. Mm. You know, Scott Horton talks about this all the time. But how many people are talking about it in their living room? At their churches? Who's talking about this at their church? Nobody. Right, right. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> They're not talking about it. I've been to church. <laughs> I'm a Christian. 
this is not being talked about. And it's so frustrating. It is so frustrating to me that we have to. Right. We don't have to. Like, we didn't have to do this podcast today, but we have, we, we're, we're going to have this conversation so people can hear it and they can share it with other folks. Why are more people not pissed off about this? Why are more people not paying attention to this? Mm. You know, and we were talking about this before we started recording. I had a guy come up to me at, at work the other day. You better learn how to speak Chinese because they're supposed to take over the United States. You better learn how to speak Mandarin. I'm like, well, hang on a second. The Chinese are not taking money out of my paycheck. The Chinese are not locking me up if I don't pay my taxes. Mm. We have an organized mafia in the United States, and we call it the government. (laughs) We don't call it the mafia. We just call it the government. But it's okay because they have our best interest in mind. Bullshit. I call bullshit. I call bullshit, 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 bullshit. And but I told the guy, I said, why are you worried about this? Did he have an answer? No. Okay. See, that's the thing. Yeah. He doesn't even really realize what it is that he's talking about. He really doesn't understand. I don't know who he's listening to. Who he's listening to to get this garbage from. And it's gotta be some corporate, you know, right wing media source that he's getting this from. But He's also told me in, in another breath, you know, in another conversation, he goes, I'm kind of like you. I, I just want to watch it burn. Just let it fall down and we'll see what happens after that. We'll figure it out. Yeah, right. Well, then stop voting. Yeah. Stop legitimizing it. Yeah, stop legitimizing the whole system. Why are you pretending that you can fix this? You know, and I'm pretty sure, you know, in our past conversations that you kind of went through the whole Ron Paul thing. Like a lot of libertarians did to get. Yeah, I had fun with Ron Paul. I actually campaigned for him. Uh, I stood in uh, uh, handcuffs in a uh, orange jumpsuit that says FEMA on the back of it with a hood over my my face, handcuffs and shackles, uh, and tried to get elected to. Uh, they had the the big convention here for him in in Denver. This was in 2011. I thought it would be interesting to see the process so i went to uh my local precinct early on and was involved with half a dozen eight other people who decided for everybody in that district um who would be on the ballot (laughs) who who they'd be uh voting for certainly at least the republicans anyway and uh, it, it, we all chose Ron Paul. It was unanimous. I think I still had, uh, I think I probably have a picture of the board, took a picture of the chalkboard um, when we voted. And it was unanimous. Everybody in the room voted for Ron Paul. That was who the Republicans in my district were going to support. And and it started out innocently enough, just wanting to see the uh, see how it worked. The reason I brought up Ron Paul and you and I have talked about this in, in private conversation, and we talked about it on your show as well, you know, the whole Mises Caucus and all this stuff. And I like to pick on these folks. I have fun picking on these folks because they feel like they can mm. change the things. Sure, sure. You know, with a message, you know, going through the political route and stuff. And I'm like, all right, okay. Mm. But y'all are Ron Paul folks, right? Did that guy not prove once and for all? that you cannot change the mafia from the inside out. 30 years in Congress didn't change a thing. 
Didn't change a thing. I hate to say it because I have much respect for the man in terms of his thinking. Um, but the reality is when you break it down, he lived for 30 years off the, the, the people and never changed a thing other other than the you know the best that you can hope for which he knew i'm sure going in i I don't think he had any delusions that he was actually going to change the system it was about access it was about ideas Uh, he ron paul's responsible for introducing more people to sound economic theory than any economist in in history i imagine I, I, other than maybe Mises himself and, and those guys in and, and around this, there. But. This is not me bagging on Ron Paul at I mean, all. Yeah, no, not at all. Never, never, no. Like, like you said, I, I have a ton of respect for him and will always have a ton of respect for him. But the most respect I have for this man is that he proved once and for all this cannot be changed mm-hmm. through the system. It's a system. The system does not care about you. The system is only out for the system to keep the system going, to keep the keep it going, keep it going. You know, it's a machine. And when when you're when you're working, trying to work through the system to change the system, man, you're going to be part of the system. You become part of the system and you've lost your voice, in my opinion. In my the way I look at it. I don't even take them seriously anymore. It's something Lily Forster said when I had her on the show. And she said, I don't even take them seriously anymore. Sure. It's hard to take folks. And that's, that's where I I think where I'm at right now is like, I could debate these folks nonstop about why are you working through the libertarian party to try to get your message out? And you want to, I had one tell me we have to, legalize more freedom <laughs> and i wanted if, if this wasn't on social media i would have grabbed him by his throat and i was like listen man do you not understand what you just said and what she said she goes i don't even take them seriously anymore they're clowns it's a clown show the entire system is a clown show and you are going to be a clown you're trying to be a clown with the other clowns why don't you move towards anarchy like Michael Storm's podcast is doing. Well, let me let me give a little insight to that. You asked a little bit about the show. Um the show is just me. I'm just a journalist. I'm just journal journaling my life in in podcast form, if you will. You and I connect in in a way that I don't connect with a lot of folks, you know, just just in this podcasting arena. It it's it's kind of funny to me, but I, I don't know how to explain it, but I, I've always enjoyed our conversations on air, off air, in messaging or whatever. It's it's always been cool to me to be able to talk to you. Yeah, I agree. And and that's why I was looking forward to the conversation. I was really glad when he invited me to come on. Um, I, th- I, I don't know. I think we're just a couple of normal guys. I think probably real guys just doing what we really, truly believe in. Something from our heart, something from our soul. Um, maybe a little bit different uh, direction or a little bit different audience in, in ways, but all with that same, I don't know, 
coming from a place of love, man. That that's how I want to approach everybody. That's how I want to talk to everybody uh, until they they prove they're not worthy of my love. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, I I just think you do great things. I love the the whole bad Roman thing. I love what you do in there. I think it's great that the the podcast itself is taken off. And I just I I think it's wonderful that you're reaching an audience that um I have a a certain affinity for because the network that I'm on is a Christian network. And so I'm talking to Christians and I have to know how to speak to Christians about anarchy. They, they, they have a different view than the, I think the, the secular person, the per, I, and I'm not entirely sure. I, I suppose there's a whole bunch of different reasons why, but there are some, some, barriers that seem to exist there and they get torn down when when somebody hears something uh like you chatting with the people that you chat with on a regular basis and and i i the conversation comes up a lot on my show just the idea of of christianity and anarchy and how the two of them mesh and and is there a conflict and i don't see one um uh, unless they're uh, unless the person is uh, still holding on to the state. Yeah, you have a you 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 say you have a problem talking to Christians about it. You should be on this side of the microphone talking to Christians about it. <laughs> and just in real life, I mean, you know, just like at work and um, just in, at the grocery store, whatever. If the conversation comes up, if, if I'm wearing you know a bad Roman T-shirt, and the conversation comes up. To get them to understand that there's a no king but Christ, like we only believe in Jesus Christ as our king, and that's why we're anarchists. We're not anarchists because we want to be anarchists, you know, because it's cool to say we're anarchists. You know, it's it's like a buzzword. You know, it's something I was talking to Lily Forster about when I had her on. It's not a buzzword. We are actual anarchists because we're Christians. And the two words should actually be synonymous. And when you're trying to explain that to your average status Christian, man, their eyes gloss over, you know, and it takes them back because they're, they're not hearing this. And I've told you this on, when, you, when you've had me on your show. Hmm. We're turning the world upside down with this podcast. Your normal Christian thinking upside down with this podcast, with this project, because they're not used to hearing this stuff. And that is beautiful to me. Yeah. Now, at the same time, it gets very frustrating because I'm like, I don't want to hear about Romans 13 again. Don't bring Romans 13, 13 to me again, because <laughs> I'm going to explain to you once and for all what it says, and you're not going to get it anyway. <laughs> but I appreciate the opportunity to go on your show to the last time you had me on the show. I was listening to it last night. You know, we were talked about, you know, my brother's death and the COVID stuff. And we'll get into that, I'm sure, throughout this this podcast and I remember you sharing that on Facebook and I commented and somebody else commented he goes you're one of my favorite guests on toward anarchy I was like oh that's really cool <laughs> yeah I you know I, I my audience is really weird because I have the the live network audience and it uh, in and of itself uh, across Republic Broadcasting they attract a, a wide array of people. I mean, Mike Rivero's on there. There's this a ton of people on there. You recognize names and, and others you wouldn't, but uh, the, the, 
the beauty is is just the free voices and and that's why it's a pleasure for me to be able to do that to come on to that network and to have them let me talk about uh, anarchy and let me talk about it, it from my perspective because I don't I do I have you wouldn't say I have a secular perspective uh, because I was raised in the Christian tradition there's there's no question about that that I have a Christian background and I I understand it I I, I get why people uh, do what they do uh, in general and so I think I do with uh, with Christians as well and so I, I really appreciate the opportunity to be in that space and talk to that particular group of people because I'm not I'm not preaching to the choir necessarily I'm talking to open people you know they're sitting they're in the pews they're out there but they're not the choir you know yeah. well i've got a buddy um michael gaddy who is somebody who when i first transitioned into my understanding of anarchism he was teaching we were starting these small groups in in arkansas and i'd have him come and, and speak at these small groups and he would teach us about the united states constitution and stuff and hmm. I would listen to him and then folks were coming in and listening and stuff. And I, I asked him one time after one of these get togethers, I said, man, I've gotten involved with some of these libertarian, you know, circles, you know, this is me coming out of, you know, neoconservatism and all that stuff. And, mm. and I said, and I was studying the constitution, you know, to be honest with you, you know, the constitution actually led, led me directly to, <laughs> anarchism so, and i think that's the, the fact for, you know for a lot of folks you know that, that are anarchists but i asked him one time i said hey how do you feel about anarchism because i keep running into these anarchists in these libertarian groups and i don't understand you know how they're coming together i said but there's something about this what they're saying sounds a lot like what patrick henry talks talked about you know back in the day you know with the forefathers and stuff and he goes, what does anarchism mean to you? What is that What is that definition to you? And I was like, well, it just sounds like no government. This is me very young in my understanding of anarchy. And I was like, well, it just sounds like no government. It, sounds, it doesn't sound chaotic to me like, like, like a lot of people portray it. It just sounds like no rulers, no masters, no rulers, like they always, you know, you, they always say. And that's what I run into with a lot of, uh, secular anarchists like well no masters no rulers you can't even have a king jesus and and the longer i've gone through it i'm like well you know what you can keep your anarchy because i'm keeping keeping my king jesus right right if i can yeah if I, that that's a weird thing to me anybody saying uh, that an anarchist can't have their thing especially when it's their thing when it's something that is is for them uh that they share that they partake in voluntarily and that they share with other people voluntarily and that's i i the the idea that there's a clash between uh anarchism and any voluntary relationship be it with with jesus god muhammad whoever whatever even a government for that matter if you uh if if you have i i i've always said that the absence of the the state doesn't necessarily dictate that there's not going to be um a voluntary government when when we speak of the state today we i i'm certainly speaking of a state that has there's no voluntary participation in there's the illusion of participation 
and there is the inside track. If you get on the inside and you get, you know, you know the right people, you get enough money, maybe you get elected to one of them or one of them funds your, your, uh, um, out of boondoggle, whatever your boondoggle is. And it, with taxpayer money, of course, uh, other than that, we're all, we're all just still out here already on our own and we're already doing our thing and we're doing it every single day and we're doing it with each other. We're cooperating. We get along. We, we build, we destroy, we do all of these things, uh, without any thought or consideration for authorities input. We, the, we I, I tell people all the time that what we have, what you see before us, this society that we built, everything that we have, uh, we've built in spite of government um, leeching off of us all this time and misdirecting our energies and, and our time and our money. Hey, folks, Craig here. And I'd like to let y'all know we are always looking for writers to contribute to our blog. I don't care if you have any experience or not. Two or three of our contributors had no prior experience writing, and it turns out they have a real knack for it. Our project coordinator helps them put the articles together, and she publishes them on our website and Facebook page, and you will also have the option to come on the show and go more in-depth about your article. So if you like what we're doing at The Bad Roman and would like to try your hand at writing, then send us an email at thebadromanpodcast at gmail.com. We're having a blast with this project, and we would love for you to join us and help him promote it. Now back to the show. Have you, do you remember people lining up, forcing their ideas on people about smoking like you did with uh, the COVID vaccine at the end? At the end of smoking's popularity. It's no longer popular. It's no longer cool to smoke. Uh, it's now, well, vapes, which isn't any better all in all. Um, but the, yeah, the stigma of, of smoking finally did definitely catch up with itself. And then it was pretty militant to, you know, the truth uh, movement, not the, not the truthers, not the truth seekers like myself, uh, but the truth with truth.org. That's that anti-smoking thing that's funded by your government that also funds the, the people who plant the, <laughs> and sell the cigarettes. So um, did you see that garbage from the uh the CDC director about uh, the Tuskegee experiment. Did you see what she said? No. What did she say? This is, this should be good. Basically, and 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 I am paraphrasing this because I can't remember it verbatim. But basically, she was. We're remembering the folks. Man, I'm, I don't want to mess this up. I'm going to say folks, the folks who sacrificed, who paid the ultimate, or they sacrificed themselves. Man, I'm messing this up, and I wish I I, I could pull it up. Well, I take it it's in the news because of Nelson Robinson, which was the last surviving Tuskegee Airman. I don't remember what brought it up. And, and somebody's like, wait a second. So this is the most racist experiment ever. And this is a black man saying this. Any reasonable person should be able to step back and say, well, maybe their call on the COVID vaccine was skewed. <laughs> And I'm paraphrasing again because if if if, if you're going to say that this was an experiment and they 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 paid the ultimate sacrifice, then oh bullshit! They didn't know this was being done to them, and it reminds me of the COVID vaccine. Mm. But people like people flock to this; they flock to the vaccine because 
the powers that be said this is the thing that we should be doing because we want to save our grandma. You know, we, we don't want to get sick anymore. And anarchists like you and myself, and when this was first coming out, we were like, hang on a second. Back it up a second. Back it up a second. Let's talk about this first. Let's talk about this for a second. They didn't want to talk about it. You have to do this. Otherwise, you're going to die. When is the last time, when is the last time the government said anything that was for your benefit ever? I don't think they ever have necessarily. No. And so why can't we not be as students of history? You can't pick up a book and be like, oh, well, maybe this is nefarious. But they didn't. It was so strange to me to watch all that go down. Well, you have that you have that outside perspective. And whether you were an epidemiologist or not, um, whether you understood the the details of vaccines or not, you already understand that as soon as government is behind it, that there's something wrong that some there's a motive somewhere it's it's either political or money uh, motives and uh, that should be the first red flag I, I, you say it's funny because as as covid was happening one i caught it and if this is all on record this you can you could go back to list the last two years of my show and as covid came on um I, I talk about it and I talk about it in terms of exactly what's going to happen and how this was going to play out. And it's played out exactly as I predicted, exactly as I said. And, and it's not a prediction. It's an understanding of history, like you said, um, being just a little bit of a student of history that I am and, and in a particular area. And that's in in vaccines. And I, uh, I, I I've spent years. I won't say I've spent years studying vaccines because that would be incorrect. I've I've spent years studying the idea of vaccination. And what I've seen over all of those years is that it's very questionable at best, particularly the way we do it today. And so that right there, I already have a fundamental problem with the idea that you know exactly what's going to happen. They're going to release a vaccine. Well, they jumped, I mean, they jumped right on that right away. So we're going to have a vaccine. And, 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 and usually in our understanding of, of virology or, or really of anything, our, our understanding of anything is on a, a it's a bell curve. And if people don't know what a bell curve is. It's a curve of understanding. It's a curve of information that, that peaks. It's shaped like a bell. You have no understanding on one side of it. You have peak um, uh, understanding a, a in terms of how you deal with it at the top of it, and then and that grows as you as you uh, come down the bottom side uh, of the bell curve. And so it's the same for vaccinations. And if you looked at the bell curve of knowledge and understanding of a vaccine, it it starts at the bottom where we don't know a disease or or a virus or whatever it is that they claim causes this thing we don't know that it exists and then all of a sudden people start dying and we start counting numbers and we start figuring out why they're dying and this is we're going up the bell curve and then you reach the top of the bell curve and the top of the bell curve is your your maximum understanding in in certain terms uh enough that your deaths 
begin to go back down the other side. So you're on the other side and less people are dying. You have more medical understanding. You have all these other approaches and, and methods and you, you close things off. You, you ask people to wear masks, whatever it is. Uh, every little measure helps more and more of get down that backside of the curve. And here's where vaccines come in. Uh, to the to this picture so you get all you've gone through all of this you the it didn't exist it exists all these people died now people aren't really dying it's we've learned to live with it it's run its course and then somebody introduces a vaccine and then uh, uh in the following months weeks years you see weird strange occurrences of disease and death uh like people claim are happening now uh, post-covid and and there, so there's a history of this is if you are looking at something like covid and you're saying, all right, well, this is what government is doing. You know that that business is going to jump right in bed with it. They're going to come up with a vaccine and they're going to sell it to people and they're not going to know that it works. It's not this is before I even know what mRNA vaccine is and and how it's supposed to reset your uh your rna and in all of these these things that they pretend like they never said but they said it Im immediately as they started releasing these things it'd be like uploading new code to your computer and that red flags for me right away because wait a minute now you're talking about a technology that hasn't worked this hasn't worked before in any way that you've tested it. And now all of a sudden you're going to put it in a new form in a new delivery system and you're going to give it to people all over unknowingly. And you're going to, oh, you're going to do it, I guarantee you, in two shots or more because that covers up the uh, numbers. That helps hide the numbers of failures of the shot. And then what's going to happen is you're going to see health problems increase in the years following the introduction of the vaccine. And that's exactly what we're going through now. And you can go back through two years of this, uh, of me tell you, this is exactly how this thing is going to play it out. And it's because it's historical and it's because the entire um, vaccine industry is built on lies. Is it built on an entire falsehood? It's something that you said earlier um, that is really, it really gets to me uh, that they keep using this because they're still using it now. I heard it in a commercial for vaccines the other day for the, the COVID vaccine the other day. And basically the default premises of disease is that everyone gets it and everyone dies. But we already know that's not true because everyone would already be dead. The whole planet, there, there would be no people, there would be no planet, there'd be no computers, there'd be no Craig, there'd be no Mike. None of this shit would ever happen. None of it. Uh, we'd all been dead a long time ago. So that default assumption is wrong, but they still use it. They, 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 this is subtle. So some people get COVID and some people get COVID badly or, or something along those lines. So the default is, is everybody gets it. And the, and the case is, is, is yours is probably going to be worse than anybody else's. So you better rush out and you better jump on this new technology that for the previous decade of attempts to get it to work, it has never worked. And we're going to try a new delivery system. And the delivery system is also known to cause neurological problems already. Just exactly what is it that you need to tell somebody in advance 
months, two years before the crap hits the market or thereabouts, certainly months and months before the stuff hits the market, that this is exactly what they're going to do before they stop and go, hey, wait a minute, that guy on that show, on that little show, on that little network over there that doesn't know anything about anything told this is this is exactly what's going to happen with this chemical concoction and they're going to push it on the people and people are going to pay for it. Well, you're just a conspiracy theorist and you're just, I am, you're just not believing in the science and you don't, you know, you're not, you're not paying attention to what the experts are saying. You're more concerned about Michael Storm than you are the rest of, well, which may be true. And that's, that's valid. I'm more concerned about Craig, you know, than, than, than I should be. I hope so. About other people in, in to a fault, but I'm going to tell you something. When the government says something, I say no. You know, we were going through this stuff at work. You know, they were going to, they were going to, you had to get a vaccine or they were going to start docking your, your pay through your insurance. Yeah. Oh, right, right. You told me about that. Yeah. And we had these meetings. And I was like, you are telling us that we have to put a foreign substance into our body or else you're going to start taking money out of my paycheck. Mm. That's unethical. I don't give a shit who's telling you this is right or wrong. It doesn't matter. You don't have that right to dock my pay <laughs> if I don't put a shot in my arm. And I, <laughs> I'm not anti-vaccine. That's the whole thing. Is like people were like, you're an, you're an anti-vaxxer. I was like, no, I've had them all. I've had all the vaccines. But this one, when they start telling me I have to, I'm going to buck immediately. Especially when you start messing with my money. Hmm. When you start messing with my money and telling me that I have to do this, no, something's wrong here. And the fact that people can't take a step back and look at this like, oh, yeah, something's messed up here. You know, people want to talk about, you know, the whole abortion uh, issue with uh, my body, my choice. You know, and a lot of folks started saying, well, my body, my choice. I don't want to put this vaccine. Right. I hated that when people were using that. I used it myself. You have to use it. I hated the whole the whole argument. But don't tell me that I've got to put something in my body that I'm not comfortable with or I'm going to lose pay over it. No. No, I'll find another job. There's a lot of people out there not working because they don't want to. You know what this did with people? They stayed at home and got paid to do it, and now people aren't working. We can't even find people to work these days. I can find a job. You know, the printing industry in, in the Memphis area is exploding. Don't tell me I can't find another job. You know, I ended up getting a, a, a religious exemption. Sure. I have a, a buddy who has a home church, and he wrote me an e exemption, turned it in. They accepted it. I didn't have to. I didn't get docked. But there were people coming out and saying, am I going to get my money back? Because they, they come out and announced it. And I'm probably going to get in trouble if anybody that listens to this show... I work with. <laughs> they come out and said, we're not going to do this anymore. But where's our, can we get our money back? You know, like at first it was $200 a, a month and then they dropped it because people started dropping their insurance. Like, well, I'm not going to have my insurance here anymore. And once that started happening, but they dropped it like, well, it's only $27 a paycheck now. Okay. That's how you change things. You start saying, no, you start saying, no, I'm not doing this. Cause you said something a while ago, money. Money. When the money starts <laughs> talking, people start walking away, then you start losing money. Say no. It's okay to say no. And we should be saying no about a lot of things. 
And we talked about a thousand different things during this conversation. This is this reminds me of our phone conversations. This reminds me of our off air time, you know, talking to my, me and you talking. You know, and I love this so much. And I don't want to let you go before we talk about toward anarchy. I don't, I don't, I don't want to get off on all this other stuff because we could talk for another two or three hours. But keep going. So we were in the middle. Of, we were in the middle of saying something, and I was going to leave a little tidbit for the uh, libertarians, and then we got sidetracked. And I started talking about cigars and stuff. Um, <laughs> so this is for the libertarians, the, the big L libertarians. Now your party was started by anarchists. David Nolan was an anarchist, um, and many of the people that that were involved with the party early on considered themselves anarchists. And so the Libertarian Party has forgotten its roots, and that's what toward anarchy is. Toward anarchy is literally a uh, phrase coined by David Nolan uh, when they were talking about the early – I'm thinking this is 68 or something like that um, – they they're talking about trying to form their own their their own party and and what they would do you know slogans and logos and and you know just all of the minutia that goes along with the party and including working on the platform and things like that and and so this is the the early days of the the libertarian party and david himself i i, I believe it was david uh, who suggested that the um, the logo or the uh, slogan for the Libertarian Party be toward anarchy? And this is in reference to the um, well. Nowadays, it's called the smallest, the world's smallest political quiz. It's the um, it's the quiz that you give to see if you're a libertarian or not. And, and it's three questions. It's, it's three questions and it plots out a, uh, a, a well, a, a limited dimensional, um, a graph of, um, where you are in terms of authoritarianism in regard to you know money laws, just a few simple things. It's really, it's the world's shortest political quiz. And, um, it's, it's supposed to point to people can't see it now if they do I, i'm sure if they ever do see the video i'm sure we'll get some conversation about the the uh flags behind me because i have the the anarchist flag but then it appears that there's an american flag behind me that is not an american flag that is an assassin's creed flag it's a video game flag it has nothing to do with state worship it has everything to do with me loving the the game assassin's creed um, so, so the anarchist A, um, it, it points to the, the upper right quadrant of the, uh, of, of that, of what was the world's smallest political quiz. And that, that area is the maximum point of, of liberty, of economic and political liberty. So that, that's the, the, the maximum point of freedom. And so you, and, and it's a, it's a zero point. So you can never, you never truly reach it, but you can always go toward anarchy. You can always work in that direction, dismantling the idea of authoritarian systems and, and government itself. And, and that's where the, the words, the phrase toward anarchy comes from for the show. And we're on uh, every week across Republic Broadcasting Network all around the world. It's fantastic. I get thousands of people listening. 
uh, just people all over the website and, and comments on the social media. And, and I have wonderful guests. I bring people in like yourself, talk about something like Christian anarchy, or I've, I've had, um, um, just wonderful people on economists and free thinkers, just random people that I read an article uh, about uh, on on some small paper on some website in some place, you know, and and they're just talking about wonderful things and building community and and uh, sharing good ideas and and good information, and that's that's what I try to do with the show. I remember. Um... We were we were friends on Facebook, and I don't know how we became friends on Facebook. You no know, just idea. kind of the whole you know liberty you know mm-hmm. involvement, I guess, or something. And I remember you posting something. You were looking for you know guest ideas on Facebook, mm. and I just shared our website. I was like, well, I don't know if this is you know, I'll just share the website. Maybe this. And you messaged me. He's like, yeah, let's get you on. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about Christian anarchy, and. I remember the first time I was on your show, I wasn't familiar with the whole, the whole live. Oh yeah. Commercials and stuff. Sure. Yeah. yeah so, you know, I just trying to link up and I, and I listened to that, that first episode. I was like, man, that sounds so cringy. And I remember messaging, so I apologize. Like, man, that sounded awful. And I apologize. You're like, I don't care. It was a good conversation. Right. The next conversation we had, I was a little more prepared, you know, for it. And it sounded a lot better, but, I, I I remember listening to your show mm. to prepare for it. And I was on my I was traveling and I was like, man, this is fantastic. This sounds like listening to a radio, you know, show. Like you're just mm. you're just driving along, you're listening to a, a radio broadcast. And this is what it sounded like to me. This is fantastic. You know, you can go back to all of your other shows, all, all your other shows and, and listen to it, you know, whenever you feel free or have free time. Mm. But listening to it live, I was like, this is this is cool how you handle that. Like you you can tell listening to Michael Storm that he's got a voice for radio and a face for it, too. <laughs> he's got he's got the perfect face for radio. <laughs> we don't show it. It's perfect. <laughs> but I, I, t- I want to touch back on something real quick before I let you go. You were mentioning the, the Libertarian Party. At some point, do when do Libertarians wake up? It's like, all right, this isn't working. If this was going to work, it would have already worked. Mm-hmm. Now let's try something different. And that's what we what I try to get across to folks with the Bad Roman Project. Okay, as Christians, what we're doing is not working. Maybe we go back to the basics, the basic teachings of Jesus Christ, start there and move towards, you know, something better instead of going. Cause to me, when you're working through a libertarian party or a, a, a caucus or Republican, Democrats, whatever, mm-hmm. to me, you're going in reverse. You're stuck in the mud. I think so too. You're, 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 you, you've lost, you've lost the, the idea of moving towards something yeah. and you're just trying to play. Given up, you're settling. You, you, you've settled, you've gave up. Yeah. Why have you given up? If you believe in liberty so much, you want liberty for yourself, for your, your kids, your wife, your family, your friends. Why are you settling for this? Why? Let's go towards something. And that's why I like the the name of your show, Toward Anarchy. Let's move towards anarchy. That's why it resonated with me. That's why I chose the name after all those years. I I remember when I first saw it, it was probably 2001. It was probably not long after um, 
September 11th, it was late 2001, early 2002. And I just was reading through uh, Ken Riggs. Uh, I mentioned him earlier. I was reading through his, his, some of his papers that he had collected over the years and that early party thing. And that, and that, what that newsletter was there and, it, and, and, the idea struck me immediately toward it. Let's work towards this. this we, we're not all on the same page, but let's let's work toward liberty, man. Let's let's work toward that total freedom. And so oh, with all these political scales and all these things, I boil it down to a real simple straight line. There's tyranny and there's anarchy and everything in between is just some minor form of tyranny. That's it. That's all that's in there. It's a straight line. It's real easy to figure out. <laughs> hey, uh, you know, I wanted to ask you something, though, because I know that uh, we, we hit on the COVID thing um, just real quick. Um, you know, that was a it was a real rough time and it's still impacting a lot of people all around the globe. And you're somebody that had a personal impact from it. You mentioned your brother earlier and things. And I know that's been really hard on you. And. I, I just want to commend you for sticking with it and realizing that it has been hard on you and that, and, and that you just take this shit one day at a time, man. I, I, it's, I, I see a lot of people fall apart when, when something so big, something so, um, so painful like that hits them. And, uh, I just, you're, you're a strong man and you're strong in your, your, your beliefs and your ideas and I'm, I'm glad that it's carried you through it because I think you got value, um, not just to yourself and to me, but I think you have a value out there like we all do. And, and I hope you realize that. And I hope that the struggle never overtakes you because I get that. I think that it did uh, with your brother and the struggle won. And, and I think that it was, I think it, there's a lot of manipulations and and things that do that, and I'm glad that you already see that those things exist because I, 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 I it's. Mm, I would I can't be lying. Imagine. I would I would be lying to you if I said it doesn't still affect me. Oh, I know it does. Especially I can hear it. I hear it in your voice, and I can I can hear it in your 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 typed voice at times <laughs> when you mention it. I I know it's there. You know, we're recording this, you know, after Thanksgiving, leading up to Christmas and stuff. And mm -hmm. this is the hardest time of the year for me and my family. You know, yeah. so when I when I talk about the COVID stuff with folks and they talk about, you know, this folk, somebody dying from COVID or the flu or, or whatever, they dismiss or gloss over the fact that people died due to the manipulation that sent them into isolation. You know, and I'm not going to say that my brother's not at fault for his actions. Uh, he, I own that. I own that. You know, he, he drank himself to death. But here's the thing. I do, and my mom agrees with me, do know for a fact, I can't say for a fact, but I do strongly believe it, it had not been for the lockdowns, the forced isolation that TJ would still be walking around today, maybe drinking too much. He may be struggling still. He's struggling still, but he would still have a chance. Yeah. And this sent him into a, into a, a stupor where, like, he bought into this hook, line, and sinker. And had he survived to the point of vaccination, he probably would have got a vaccine. You know, which is whatever. But the, the the whole point that people will 
just do not pay attention to. And this is why I talk about it so much. And maybe people get sick of hearing it. I don't know. No, no, no. And I don't, I don't even care if people get sick of hearing it because I'm going to talk about it till the day I die. Dude, it's a, it's a hidden cost thing, man. I'm going to talk about it till the day I die. Yeah. Because I know for what happened to my brother when this happened, you know, and it wasn't just him, you know, suicide rates spiked and nobody talked about it. Nobody talked about it. Alcohol sales went up to 300% during this and nobody talks about it. I remember them making a special provision even even in the town that I live in, that they could sell out on the street corner, that people could come up and buy it on the street corner outside the, the, the liquor store. It's almost like they were trying to corner people. And that, I don't want to sound like Alex Jones here, but like they were just <laughs> literally trying to kill people to yeah. off them to get, you know, I don't know, man. I don't know if that sounds crazy or not, but it, but I, I saw it in real time what happened to my brother. Yeah. And it happened so fast. We started this project in March of 2020, right in the heat of the COVID stuff, right? And in August of 2020, my mom found my brother dead. That was the way, that was the worst period. Yeah. yeah. Eight months. Eight months. Eight months. Okay. So it was just, it never dawned on me that this could happen to my family or my brother, you know, it just it didn't register with me. My mom was worried about him. She told me, check on your brother. And I checked on him. He seemed fine. But he got mad at me because I was like, you got to get out of that apartment, man. Go back to work. Get some normalcy back in your life because he was offered his job back. And he was scared to death of this, this virus because of what people were telling, telling him. And then he sat there and drank and drank and drank and died. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I do pretty good most of the year. <laughs> then around the holidays, holidays, I get a little, you know, sideways with folks. And I, and I apologize if, if, I, if I get sideways. Oh. No, no, no. I think it's important because the reality is, is that there are a lot of things that have come and gone through this whole COVID thing. And, and some of the things that are gone are people and these are real people and they left real uh, people behind them with questions and trying to understand what exactly what happened and why something like this would happen. And there's a hidden toll uh, of COVID that is not being talked to. It's gotten a mention here and there. You get some, every once in a while, you hear somebody pay a little lip service to the number of suicides and, and how much drinking went up in, in during that period. And, and it hasn't necessarily come back down yet either. There's still a, a lot of fear and a lot of confusion and they just keep trying to ramp it. And, 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 and here's the thing is that there's the next thing. What's the next, what's the next shoe to drop? And, and we're already in a, a weakened financial, physical, and mental state all across the nation, individuals. And this is what I was talking about, whereas you know, I, I feel pretty good with my life, but I worry about other people. Um, I'm just glad there are people like you uh, who can speak to uh, the, the reality of it and the truth of it, and that you're strong and you hold on and you see what it's worth, because I, it, there's, there's no better voice than your own for someone like your brother who was voiceless, man. Well, you know, and the more that things are coming out now, you know, you, you, you seem like, you know, people would be happy. It's like, yeah, we told you so. 
You know, mm-hmm. we told you, you know, the masks that weren't, weren't doing anything. We're, we're seeing that the vaccines weren't doing anything. The lockdowns have caused all this, you know, the, the, the mm. cost of things that we're, we're seeing now and all this stuff. And you, you would, you would think that I would be happy that people are recognizing that, but it pisses me off because, because I lost my brother. Yeah, it's bittersweet due to this situation. He didn't die of COVID and yes, right. he, he has his own responsibility right. to bear, you know, with the drinking, but that's where I get a little sideways with folks when they talk about this stuff. And I'm like, we told you. And now my brother's dead. I'm glad people are waking up to him. It's like, oh, yeah, that was all bullshit. Okay. Going into 2023, my brother's still dead. You know, so, and I try not to be that guy, you know, and I don't, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy that puts that out there. And I don't talk about it much anymore unless you know michael storm asks about it. I'm, I'm happy to talk about it but i don't just go out there and put it out there it's like hey what about this but when people come to me and, and want to talk about what well, are you seeing that there's <laughs> that, that that people are still wearing masks in their vehicles yeah whatever I, I don't care if they're wearing 17 masks i don't care no and i didn't care that they wore it then what i didn't want them to do was suggest that i had to or that i had you know that that i should change my life and i should alter me and uh, and quit my job or lose my job and shut down my business and it uh, now these these were these were the the real problems yeah i saw a thing on facebook the other day this guy and i think it was in canada and canada was probably been one of the worst with the, mm-hmm. this whole vaccine stuff and this guy lost his business, his restaurant, because he fed an unvaccinated person. What? I'm like, what the hell is going on with these people? Yeah. How can you not look at something like this and be like, this is bullshit? Yeah. Why are why are y'all buying into this anymore? Yeah. I ask myself a lot of times, how can we be where we are today in our understanding of history and, and tyranny and slavery and manipulations of people and markets and governments and i i just wonder well you know the next thing the next thing you and i should not be surprised how people respond to it yeah because i was absolutely surprised at how people responded to this Mm. and i know maybe maybe that's me being naive or or ignorant to how people actually wanted to be free no i don't think your average person wants to be free I think your average person is uh, happy being a slave. Yeah, what was it? I shared a quote with my uh, with my audience today. Uh, it was a perfect little. It, it, it just speaks to this exactly. The greater part of the population is not very intelligent, dreads responsibility, and desires nothing better than to be told what to do. Provided the rulers do not interfere with its material comforts and its cherished beliefs, it is perfectly happy to let itself be ruled. Aldous Huxley. Yeah. Yeah. And it's sad, man. It's sad. It's sad. It's sad because this, I I wanted to bring this up, you know, before, again, before I let you go, you know, Mm. I fully believe that we're all born anarchists. And then somewhere along the way, we're manipulated. And you use the word manipulation quite a bit earlier on with the, with telling your own story. Um, and somewhere along the way we're manipulated and we'd lose track of where we were actually at when we were born. 
And now we got to work our way back towards that anarchy. I love it. You know, <laughs> and the and the and the the word anarchy seems you know cringe to people, but when you really get down to the basic facts of anarchy, it's just peace. It's freedom. It's living your life, not harming one another, voluntarily interacting with one another. That sounds awesome to me. Why do why can't we get back? to that. Let's move towards anarchy. And folks, if you've not listened to Michael Storm's show, I encourage you to go listen to Toward Anarchy. I've, I'm, I'm enjoying these, these conversations I'm having with folks from other podcasts because I've, I listen to these podcasts all the time. That's all I do. I don't listen to corporate media. I listen to podcasts. Right. And, I, and so I've got a wide variety of podcasts to listen to. And, and Toward Anarchy is one of my favorites. Well, thank you. If y'all get a chance, go just Go check it out. Just you can find him on all the platforms. Go listen to Toward Anarchy. You're going to find it's a wide variety of conversation too. That's what I love so much about your your show. Like you know, a lot of what we do with the Bad Roman is we focus on Christian anarchy, but we go and do stuff like this, you know. And I like to do that with this show too. Like let's get out of you know. Let's not talk about Christian anarchy today. Let's just talk about anarchism. Or let's just talk about freedom. Let's just talk about what's going on in the world right now with each other and people can listen in. So go listen to Toward Anarchy. And Michael, I I really appreciate your time and and spending an hour and a half with me today. You know, and I hate that we don't get to talk as much as as, as I'd like to because we have some fun conversations. If y'all could hear our conversations off air. (laughs) (laughs) They're just about as good. Maybe a few more (laughs) F-bombs. Yeah, pretty much. But why don't you go in and tell everybody where they can find your stuff at? I'm everywhere toward anarchy. Type it in anything, and 99.9% of the time, it's going to be me that pops up, social media, search engine, whatever. Uh, TowardAnarchy.com, the best place to go. Uh, As I say, TowardAnarchy.com to follow along. All right, buddy. I will talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us this week on the Bad Roman Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcasts to never miss an episode. And while you're at it, if you like what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, it really helps people find us. 100% of donations are given to local charities in Memphis, Tennessee. To learn more about the Bad Roman Project and to find show notes, please visit thebadroman.com. Bad Roman.